now it's time for the Air Raid. Here's your host, Brian Griffith. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Air Raid here on the Red Maryland Network. It is Sunday, June the 3rd, 2018. Hope you and yours are having an excellent weekend. Hope the rain isn't bringing you too far down today as we have another rainy Sunday, another rain-soaked fiesta for you and yours. Before I get too far down the pike, I do want to remind you that on January 26, 2019, we will be having the Red Maryland Leadership Conference at the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis, and the speakers at that event included the Anne Arundel County Executive Steve Shue, Senator J.B. Jennings, Senator Steve Hershey, Delegate Nick Kipke, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Andrew Langer, Jerry Rogers, and a whole lot more. You can go to redmarylandconference.com to learn more about that and how you can Attend the conference, participate in the conference, sponsor the conference, and all that information is available for you at redmarylandconference.com. I also want to remind you, first and foremost, about the Red Maryland primary election primer, if you will, and that has all of our primary election coverage for the Republican side brought to you on one page with 500-odd-some links. It kind of goes on forever, and it's all the information that we have produced this year regarding the primary election, our our election focus, our candidate surveys, interviews, and more. Go to redmaryland.com slash 2018 primary. That's redmaryland.com slash 2018 primary, and you will have all of the information that you need to make the decisions that affect you uh, in an educated manner as we head towards the June 26th primary, which is 23 days away. I want to talk to you today about the Orioles, okay? And your humble host, an Orioles fan his entire life, still has his 1988 A Fan for All Seasons pin. And I may have to start wearing it for games uh, as, I, as I take my family to Camden Yards the rest of this summer. The Orioles right now have a record of 17-44. and 44. The 1988 team at this point had a record of 15-46. and 46. That's right. This year's Orioles are only two games ahead of the pace that the 1988 Orioles, the worst team in Orioles history, a team that lost 21 straight to start the year, a team that finished 54-107, and were only two games ahead of the pace of that team from 1988, 30 years ago. And I remind you that the Orioles are on pace to finish about 48-114 and right now. Okay, They are on pace to lose 114 games, which will be far and away the worst record in team history, at least since the team moved to Baltimore. Now... At the beginning of the season, myself, other fans, other pundits thought that the Orioles had a pretty good chance at the wild card. A pretty good chance to be at the very least competitive and not go out and completely embarrass themselves. I was convinced, absolutely convinced that we brought in Alex Cobb, we brought in Andrew Kashner, we tidied up the backside of the bullpen that Chris Tillman would pitch much better than his uh, his 2017 campaign, and that the team would hit, that the team would, would, would hit just fine, and that the team would play appropriate defense, and that with some luck, the Orioles could win 87-88 games, maybe even compete for the division title. Boy, was I wrong. I think... As a fan, 
I think as somebody who understands baseball, as somebody who has watched baseball for 35-odd-some years, that I talked myself into a complacency. I talked myself into a position that made it seem that the Orioles were better than they really were. I glossed over certain key aspects. I glossed over the fact that Andrew Kashner's career record wasn't quite as stellar as his 2017 campaign might have made it look. I ignored the fact that while Alex Cobb may have a good record pitching against American League East teams, he played half his games indoors at Tropicana Field instead of outdoors in a a more hitter-friendly ballpark like Camden Yards. Plus, I ignored the fact that Alex Cobb didn't have much of a spring training considering he didn't sign until you know, several weeks into the month of March. I talked myself into the fact that Chris Tillman couldn't possibly be as bad as he was in 2017, but hey, at least I got that right, because somehow he's worse than he was in 2017. I talked myself into the offense being good, ignoring the likelihood that Trey Mancini would have a sophomore slump, ignoring the fact that Chris Davis has been a terrible hitter for years, though nobody thought he would be hitting 150 in the month of June. I ignored the fact that our catching platoon of Chance Sisko, who of course was a rookie, and Caleb Joseph, who went an entire year one time without driving in a run, was going to be able to sustain us. I ignored... The fact that you were asking a a shortstop, a career shortstop, to play third base. I ignored the fact that you were basically trying to put square pegs into round holes with the situation in right field by trying to rely on guys like Colby Rasmus to play right field. And I ignored the fact that this team had absolutely no depth whatsoever, particularly as it relates to the defensive infield. When you're asking guys like Pedro Alvarez and Danny Valencia to log meaningful innings with a glove in the field, and then you wind up with the rotating cast of characters with last names like Sardinius and Vielma to be your utility infielders and possibly even have to fill in for a guy like Tim Beckham when he winds up on the disabled list. When you take that overall picture, when you take that overall analysis, when you actually look at the pieces that were lying there in front of you the entire time, you start to realize that maybe things weren't as good as you thought they were. Maybe you start to realize that you talked yourself into believing when you shouldn't have believed. In the professional wrestling business, it's called you work yourself into a shoot, where a work is the way in which the, the participants work with each other, or they're they're doing something in character or in storyline, whereas a shoot is a legitimate beef, a legitimate fight between the two guys. I worked myself into a shoot that the Orioles were going to be, be a good team, and only to be sorely mistaken. Now... You're probably wondering to yourself, Brian, you've spent five and a half minutes talking about the Orioles. Everybody knows that the Orioles suck this year. Everybody knows that the Orioles are not going to the playoffs. Everybody knows that the Orioles are in desperate need of a rebuild. Why are you spending time talking about this on a show that is, ostensibly, about politics? Well, friends, I think it's pretty clear to see where I'm going with this. 
because you see, for the last, oh, almost four years now, since pretty much three, four days after the election in 2014, our friends on the Maryland Democratic Party have been saying that Governor Hogan's election was an accident, that Governor Hogan's election was a fluke, that Anthony Brown just ran a horrible campaign, and that it was low turnout in Brown's terrible campaign that was the reason that Governor Hogan won the election. They kept talking about the deep Democratic bench. They kept talking about all of these great candidates that they had to run. They talked about Trump incessantly, even though the voters really weren't necessarily connecting Larry Hogan to Trump and didn't didn't make Donald Trump the issue that the Democrats seem to think that he is. The Democrats talked themselves into the idea that all they had to do was show up and Larry Hogan would not be reelected. The reality has been far, far different than what the Democrats thought it was going to be. The Democrats found themselves with nine candidates for governor, none of them particularly great candidates, some of them tragically flawed, some of them promoting failed ideologies, ideologies that that fell with the Berlin Wall. Some of them are promoting candidacies which are talk about how much they've defeated corruption when in reality all they've done is to promote corruption, particularly in the school system. You have candidates who aren't even qualified to be on the ballot because they were residents of the District of Columbia. You have candidates who have absolutely no chance in hell of winning their nomination, some of which make more sense than the, quote, major candidates. You have candidates who are full-time lawyers who've done really little in public life, but have millions of dollars they can sit on to help screw up the primary election. You have candidates who look like they should be at an SGA meeting, who are pretending like they're big deals, when in reality they're big deals in California and out of state where 80% of their funding comes from. You have candidates who are never supposed to be on the ballot, and as and a candidate who's not even appearing on the ballot because the Democratic establishment is making sure that Valerie Irvin's name doesn't appear on the ballot despite the fact that the law is incredibly clear. The Democrats made a lot of assumptions about this gubernatorial election. The Democrats made a lot of assumptions that their nominee was going to be in a strong position. They made a lot of assumptions that voters were going to hold Larry Hogan responsible for what Donald Trump did, even though Larry Hogan never supported Donald Trump at all. And they made a lot of assumptions that voters would just magically return home to the Democratic Party, even though the Democratic Party doubled down on the policies, the ideas, and the rhetoric that sent them scurrying away from the Democrats into the Larry Hogan camp in the first place. Am I the only one that can see the parallels between the 19, excuse me, the 2018 Democratic primary and the 2018 Baltimore Orioles? Teams 
that were hyped, teams that people bought into, teams that people thought would be able to overcome the odds, teams that thought that that their supporters, that their fans thought would overperform, teams that is still that are still hanging on to the vestiges of years gone past, teams that should have gone through an extensive rebuilding process already, or at the very least started the extensive rebuilding process, but instead the same old people are making the same old decisions to do the same old thing and wondering why they're getting the same old result. Yeah, the Democrats are just like these Orioles. As an Orioles fan, it pains me to say that because I enjoy the Orioles winning and I enjoy the Democrats suffering. To be fair, some of us, particularly those who are not Democrats, saw the writing on the wall. We saw the weakness of the Democratic Party. We saw the strengths of the the Republican Party and the strengths of Larry Hogan. And we saw that the Democrats were doubling down on the policies that had already failed the people of Maryland and the policies that the people of Maryland had already rejected in favor of Larry Hogan. When they started talking, the Democrats started talking about higher taxes and free stuff and more government and more bureaucracy and more regulation and more gun control. Is it any wonder why the Democratic candidates are in the abyss? Is it any wonder why no Democrat is within a dozen points of Larry Hogan? Is it any wonder why this insular Democratic primary has barely gotten beyond the Democratic bubble? Is it any wonder why even in the Democratic bubble not a single one of these candidates can catch fire? Is it any wonder why the debates that we have seen so far have been absolute boring disaster epics where the candidates can't trip over each other enough fast enough in order to agree with each other? The Democrats are, have been, and remain a dying party. We've been saying that at Red Maryland for years. Maybe this time, the Orioles will learn their lesson and realize that it's time to rebuild. And I hope they do. Maybe this time, the Democrats will realize that the policies that they keep putting forth have failed the people. And that they will start putting policies in place that help and not hurt people. And they'll actually put people ahead of special interest groups. But fortunately for us, it looks like they're not going to learn that lesson in time to save themselves in 2018. We may help the rebuilding process along for the Democratic Party. Because through redistricting reform, through five new members of the state Senate, through more members of the House of Delegates, the tide will shift the Democrats will finally lose the last vestiges of power. The supermajority in the General Assembly will finally end. Maybe then the Democrats will take the lesson, learn the lesson that the Orioles have yet to learn. Maybe then the Democrats will start to rebuild an image that makes it a modern party and not an anachronism for Maryland's past. It's pretty hard to start realizing when one of your major political parties in Maryland is like your favorite baseball team. Let's hope the Orioles learn the lesson and start to rebuild their team for the future. The Democrats? Eh. 
they can wait a few more years. I'd be okay with that. Thank you very much for joining me on this week's episode of The Air Raid. Be sure to check out all of our Red Maryland Network programming. Tuesdays, it's the Conservative Refuge with Greg Klein. Thursdays is our flagship, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Greg will be flying solo this week. I will be on assignment. Next weekend will be another episode of Red Maryland Election Focus. Great new interviews as we head towards the primary election. And I will be back next Sunday with a brand new episode of The Air Raid here on the Red Maryland Network. Of course, as I said earlier, the home base for all things Red Maryland is redmaryland.com. And while you're there, click on the Support Us link. You can find different ways to support us financially. You can go to paypal.me slash redmaryland. You can click on our Amazon link and make your purchases through that Amazon link, and a portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow and enhance the network. You can also... uh, Subscribe to Red Maryland Network Programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play, and have Red Maryland Network Programming, like this show, automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. You can also subscribe to our Red Maryland newsletter and have the best of Red Maryland delivered to your inbox every week. You can also follow us on social media. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland is how you can like us on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. And as I say every week, you are the force multiplier. You're the person who can invite your friends, family, neighbors, colleagues to join us, to like us on Facebook, to follow us on Twitter. You can share our stories to your social media profiles so that you can uh, make sure that people get the best in conservative news every week. Red Maryland candidate surveys. Again, you can go to redmaryland.com slash 2018primary and you will be able to learn everything about all of the candidates that are running in this year's election. That's redmaryland.com slash 2018 primary. And if you want to get in contact with us, that's very easy too. You can email us at redmaryland at gmail.com or you can call us on the Red Maryland Talkback line at 410-205-4875. That's 410-205-4875. And we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Folks, thank you very much for joining me in this week's episode of The Air Raid. Again, stay tuned to redmaryland.com for all the latest and greatest information about the upcoming primary election. RedMaryland.com, your home for election news in 2018, as well as don't forget to subscribe to our programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play. For everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to The Air Raid. I am Brian Griffiths. Good night, and God bless.